I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of The Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov and I feel like 9-11 right now. <laughs> and my name is Colin Drucker and fuck me. <laughs> fuck me. God bless Boston. God bless New England. Yeah. God bless Amy right. Ryan. I mean, I feel movie. like in the way that movies or anything about like people grieving is like right up my alley i feel like anything set in yes. boston is right up your alley you love this this neighborhood it is <laughs> i want to go there I, I i was really trying to like think of an explanation mm-hmm. as to why i really latch on to this sort of uh i don't know this type of movie but like it within reason it's like the first half of this movie is, um, you know, it's really Amy Ryan heavy, which we're going to talk about too. And then she kind of goes away for a little bit. And then it gets this sort of like action e, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, too. And like a lot of men sort of pop into the picture. And then I'm like, all right, well, where, yeah. where's Amy? And then she comes back at the end. But I think The Fighter is the best example of like the type of Boston movie that I like. Because Keanu and I were talking about like The Departed and even... Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I plan on seeing it. Um, Manchester oh, by the yeah. Sea. Is that, and I'm assuming that's also a Boston mm-hmm. movie too, right? It's a, uh, and of course, I mean, controversial Casey Affleck, which I'm sure we can't really avoid talking about this film, but a performance by Michelle Williams in that movie that I really want to see. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've seen the scene on YouTube already, but uh, it's worth sure. it. Sure. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's like the scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to ask you, like, what do you think it is? Because I feel like there's an element of all of this, like, you know, uh, th- this this kind of Boston, where, where Boston is a character is essentially the idea that I almost like recoil from because I feel like. I feel like I'm going to be judged just watching. Like, I don't feel tough enough to even watch these people. Like, they're so hardened by the winter and by, you know, like it's just everyone is just so rough and I get a little nervous. And so I was wondering if like, does this remind you of like where you grew up? Is this like, is there any like anything familiar about this? Yeah. Like in no way does Boston represent like North Huntington, (laughs) Pennsylvania, where I, where I grew up. It sounds so bougie, but Mm -hmm. it's really not. It's like a suburb of Pittsburgh. It's, you know, middle class, upper middle mm-hmm. class. It's it's not it's not you know south. Right. But I think that there's something about the spirit of Boston that's also equal to like the spirit of Pittsburgh. It's like a blue collar sports mm-hmm. town. I think that that there's a lot to be said for that. I think that New York also falls in that category. I think like Philadelphia and Chicago fall in that category. That there's something about the community of everyone that sort of coming together. Mm-hmm. And I. I, I don't 
I know. I don't know. I just really enjoy it. And it's like there's also a part of me that likes it for, I guess, the quote unquote wrong reason of just watching like, you know, some white trash just kind of fight on the street mm-hmm. and scream the F word at each other. Yep, too. But, yep, um, I hear that. So there's that. It's it's almost like the honey boo boo of mm-hmm. it all. You know, like I think uh, that's I really like honey boo boo, too. I know I won't apologize hey, for it, but I, I know, love it. That's that's fine. You know, it, it takes all sorts to make up America. Um, and yeah. yeah, certainly it's a glimpse into like a, a world that's, that's very, there's a lot of like rich characterization of being from Boston and being from like that kind of neighborhood. And a lot of people who yeah. live there grew up there and don't leave there and are like very much embedded in it. And there's, mm-hmm. there's customs and culture, you know, around living there and there's ways of doing things. And it's like, it's so, it almost feels a little over the top, you know, like, there's so much of that like hey we do for family you know there's so much of that shit yes you know yes 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 <laughs> that it's yeah. it's almost like it's not camp but it is camp in a way i i don't know it's uh yeah, yeah. keep going it is Sorry. there's something kind of campy about it i mean i think mm-hmm. i think a great example of that and let's just lead with her is daddy oh I mean, BSA of the week for me, Jill, Jill Quig. Jill Quig. I know. Well, I was wondering if you, if you, if you read the news on Jill Quig. Not recently. It's like ten years ago. Okay. But okay. No. So tell me. Jill, of course, is she still she's with still us? with us. Okay. But Jill okay. is. Um, this is uh, she's she's uh, she's a real method actor. She really uh, pulls from her own experience. So Jill okay. is. Yes. Born and raised, grew up, never left South Boston. Um, I believe a few years after doing Gone Baby Gone, she was arrested for um, breaking into an apartment and stealing a television. I think she had some oh, drug issues. And so Jill, <clears throat> I think, had to go to a, a drug correctional facility and, and was quoted as saying that uh, she really loves acting and wants to get back into it. But as of that time, she was just focusing on her, focusing on her sobriety. So Jill okay. is like, oh, it, it's, you know, when you think about the, the she, because obviously she was in the fighter as well. And there's something yes. about her that I'm like, oh man, where, where did they find this woman? She's so it's, it's perfect in terms of casting authentic. and authentic. Turns out it's because she is. So um, to the point that Amy Ryan and Amy Madigan um, recorded Jill Quigg talking on like a, on a tape so they could like listen to her accent and study her accent and like credited her the way she spoke with how they like harness their own accents in this movie. I love that. Yeah. I was so excited to see her and I, I did forget until I saw her and I was like, Oh <laughs> yeah. I, Cause I remember we were looking her up when we did the fighter episode too. And you said that she was in gone baby gone. And that's how, that's how the seed was planted for a really kind of, visiting or revisiting for you this uh amy ryan in this movie Mm -hmm. too but there's something about her that's just so uh, i don't know i i I think to to build on this whole why i love i really love the women of boston Yeah. yeah like i love the smoking the cigarettes i love the sitting like the first i don't know five six minutes of this movie was just pure bliss for me watching the whole neighborhood interact with Mm -hmm. each other and watching women you know their their stomachs are showing and they they're just like kind of screaming at each other and smoking cigarettes i don't know what that Mm -hmm. is but i am on board yeah 
I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, there's that type of woman that I'm fascinated and afraid of her. Like, I want to stay in the car and just watch, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And let it be known that I don't think, like, I think I speak for you too. Like, I would never survive in this neighborhood. <laughs> no, I don't really, I don't really wish to be a part no. of it, but I'm glad that I can just sort of you know watch it from a safe distance yeah, i agree uh, because i don't think i belong in this neighborhood but yeah you know, i have i guess respect for people who can like visit. survive in that and thrive um yes i do yeah. feel like so you know there's a, a scene towards the beginning where dotty is giving an interview to the news and oh i wrote okay, it all good down, because it's so i had good. two thoughts one i would it's she's such a teen mom character and i would love to hear best supporting actress amanda kaczynski do a rendition of this and or b and i lean towards and because i want both i think that a certain co-host's lip-syncing skills would be put to fabulous <laughs> tests and work oh my god i know they're they're piling up I over know. here it's all it's just too much <laughs> So, I mean, I will join TikTok if it means I can see some of these lady lip syncs. Oh, God. I, I, I really think this is my... Um, but yes, I that this um, excites me. And, and I've added it to the list unofficially even before you <laughs> okay. even said that. It's like, well, this, is, this obviously has <laughs> yeah. to happen. But uh, the way that she talks, it's like it almost felt like they told Jill Quigg. I'm like, okay, because she... I was like, either she is brilliant or they're just ask, telling her to talk in front of a mm-hmm. camera because, like a brilliant actress, I mean, because the way that she, you know, when they interview people in a neighborhood like this where they just kind of yep. ramble and the grammar's bad, but they can't go back because it's live TV and they sound kind of dumb, but they're 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 excited to be on the air and they feel kind of famous. And it's just like, it's all of that wrapped into this beautiful moment i am not going to attempt to do a boston accent because it's going to sound wonky but she's this is the whole paragraph and this is like the cadence of what she says she's like the neighborhood's really coming together we're going to have a rally everyone's going to have a vigil we're going to have a vigil tonight um you know the neighborhood's all alert everyone's alert what's going on and everyone everyone that the surroundings that's what she says and everyone that the surroundings we got flyers, posters up. We all have stuff, so everybody's well aware of everyone's looking for Amanda. And that's oh. it. That's just like, it's crazy. And I loved it. I watched it like six <laughs> times in a row, and I'm so glad that she got a little feature there. And, and the, the couch, couch scene. scene. Yeah, really no, good. Dottie really yeah. gets some some moments in the beginning. And I'm so glad that you wrote all that down. I Yes. I, yes, I'm begging. Please, give us the lip sync. Yeah. Give us, with the eye makeup, I need you to lean in. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's the thing. It's like I, it's gonna like I need a budget on like w- the wigs. I need a wig budget. I need an eyeliner budget for all the women. I'm gonna be uh, yeah, uh, lip syncing um, for so. Uh, but yeah, Jill, Jill Quick, my lord, is I mean, just uh, a delight. I love on the couch when she sees Angie. I mean, it, which is such a great moment because there's so much about how these people have known each other for so many years, and there's that like that familiarity and that unspoken familiarity. So I and I just like mm-hmm. I love that line and it's so brilliantly done of I remember you from high school. I see you're still a little conceited. Like yes. the way she like just the way that Angie kind of smiles back, that accusatory, yeah, I see you're still a little conceited. And I don't think that's Boston, but I can't get past the tri state area when it comes to accents. So this yeah, is it's as hard. good as you're I gonna think get. It's like New York and Boston is like they're next door neighbors, you know, they're across the street from yeah, each other. Yeah, I feel like just the difference is sometimes like Boston goes up into the like the nasal and then you know, New York goes yeah. into like the chest. And so I often zag yes. when I should zig with doing these accents. 
You're doing great. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So anyway, all of that to say, well, we've we've given Jill Quigg her moment in the sun, um, and I'd love to see her again in another, you know, movie about corruption and crime in Boston, where the city is a character. Um, we are, of course, actually here to talk today about Amy Ryan playing Helen McCready. Uh, and also nominated for Best Supporting Actress, uh, though she did not win. The winner, of course, was Tilda Swinton for Michael Clayton. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes yeah. here at Best Supporting Podcast, we uh, we don't agree with the Academy. And uh, yeah. our uh, our dedication and celebration needs to go more towards one of the nominees. Yeah, we have to speak our truth here. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll say this... I, to give credit where credit's due, I think Tilda Swinton gives a great performance in Michael Clayton. Yes. Mm-hmm. No I question. could watch her get ready and lay clothes on the bed and practice her speech for like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like that was a really... <laughs> that was incredible. And I feel like yeah. those were kind of obviously some real key moments of like, wow, the, the, the difference between her rehearsing these speeches and then giving them... The thing with those moments for me, they were great, but that's about 50% acting and 50% editing. Yeah, that's you know? true. That's true. I just wanted, I think, in Michael, because we both watched Michael Clayton, and just to kind of see what was what was going on there, of course, just to kind of give Tilda her due. But um, I just wanted a little little bit more of her in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like I I I can see why she won, and even in Tilda Swinton's Oscar speech, I think she was more shocked than anyone. Yeah, really. Yeah. I don't think she quite expected that to happen. I think. It was a matter of time before Tilda Swinton would win an Oscar. It's like she's an incredible actress. She is so versatile. Um, and she's definitely like a kooky cat. You know what yeah. I mean? As far as like what she chooses to do, how she carries herself in the world. I love Tilda. I really mm-hmm. do. I, do I too. think uh, yeah. she's such a great um, fixture. And just like the queer community too. I think Tilda is like, you know, up there as far as like actresses that we love. And I, I think they there will probably be something in the future where we will you know, dive in something, some sort of Tilda vehicle that will uh, allow us to really celebrate her. But I mean, we could talk about, we need to talk about Kevin. (laughs) I mean, we can, I mean, that's a great film. It is. I'm surprised. Like if she was nominated for Michael Clayton, why wasn't she nominated for that? But I think it's, I think it might've just been like the Clooney power of that movie. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, he was nominated, um, Tom Wilkinson, a.k.a. Cole Wilkinson, yeah. is how I call him on this podcast. But um, Yeah, Tom Wilkinson, he what a running theme. Whenever we're talking about just a nominee, he is a fellow oh, nominee yeah. and, and supporting actor because he oh, was in, Tom. in the bedroom. Yeah, He was. And he was great in this, too. It's a wackadoo role. I mean, he he goes full throttle. But And I didn't realize at first that he was nominated. So like as it got going, I was like, wow, this is such a nominatable performance. And... I was glad yes. to see. I would have also liked to see Sidney Pollack nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Oh, man. I, anytime he pops up, I am so glad to see him. Right? Yeah, and he was yes. in Tootsie. Yeah, he played. He was. I love him in Tootsie. Yeah, he's a great yeah. actor. I mean, I know he's, yeah. you know, I guess more so known as a director, but he, his instincts as an actor are really clear. Yes. He's kind of like an Alan Alda type mm. where you're always happy to see him and he always does a great job. And Right. Yeah. It's like know. examples of, of male actors where I'm like, oh, yeah, I love when you're in something. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, now, uh, just in terms of other nominees, I mean, mm-hmm. I think uh, before we kind of because I feel like we'll, we'll mention the other nominees. We'll give credit to where I think we we yeah. agree where Tilda kind of secured her win. Um, mm-hmm. And then let's move on to the, the matter at hand. How does that yes. sound? Yes, I love that. Um, 
so just to give a quick review, because obviously there's lots of, I mean, Amy Ryan in general was the performance to beat in terms of Best Supporting Actress this year. Um, I think so, too. She won the Critics' Choice Award. Uh, she, uh, actually, it's a really interesting mix across a lot of these big awards because she mm-hmm. won the Critics' Choice. Ruby D won the Screen Actors Guild Award. Interesting. Which I feel like was a little bit of a, like, ah, our old friend legend Ruby D, which yeah. makes sense, sure. Um, Tilda won the BAFTA. Um, and then Kate Blanchett won the Golden Globe. It's interesting, right? Right? Yeah. So what a mix. And then Tilda obviously won the, um, won the Oscar. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of love that when, cause it, it really does show that like, it's somewhat subjective, you know, and, and there can be performances that are nominated for one, you know, for Screen Actors Guild Award that like, like Catherine Keener was nominated for in the into the wild and wasn't recognized in any of these other awards. So like mm-hmm. you never know. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I was kind of doing the research on this role. I feel like there's a lot of other like, um, you know, critic circle awards and more like regional critics awards where Amy Ryan won for best supporting actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, to me, I think in contrast to Tilda, um, it's very obvious to me, like Amy Adams, Amy, Amy Adams, Amy Ryan. Ooh, that's hey, interesting you said yeah, that too. What can yeah, I say, you know, best supporting Amy. Um, yeah. There's so much to her performance in that character that feels um, kind of quintessential. Um, yes. But, you know, it's interesting. There's a, there's a blog. It's kind of defunct now, but I, I, we may have talked about it before. Um, but it's called like Stinky Lulu or something. It's some old blog spot. <laughs> that sounds blog. really familiar. Mm. Why does that sound familiar? Have I heard it on? I don't know. I I may have mentioned it before, but okay. they would do like Stinky Lulu. They would do these kind of like it, I think some of this kind of moved over to like the film experience. But uh, that's where mm. I think the best supporting actress SmackDown started. Got with it. Stinky okay. Lulu. And so I mean, it's a it doesn't they don't have every year, but the the blog has so many entries about best supporting actress performances and analysis and, you know, people kind mm, of having a, a, dream. a weighing in on a certain year of who should have won. It's, it's, it's a great read. Um, and this year, Stinky Lulu was a big fan of Tilda Swinton and had some really strong things to say about her performance. And I, if you'll indulge me, he oh, had like please. a really great description of kind of what makes essentially an ideal best supporting actress performance. Oh, man, what a treat. Right? He was crediting yeah. this to Tilda Swinton in Michael Clayton. But I, the, when I read this, I think of Amy Ryan in Gone yeah. Baby Gone and a lot of other performances. Okay. So if you will, um, there, are ser- there are several external features that go into making an ideal supporting actress performance. It's all about appropriate proportions with maximum possibilities. First, mm. the perfect supporting actress role must be both a legitimately supporting role and also absolutely essential to the narrative. Ideally, she should instigate crucial developments in the main plot or central characters while also never edging too close to the spine of the story. Second, the character must have her own moments. Oh, yes. Uh, She should possess a genuine autonomy, neither simply ancillary or ornamental, all right, SAT, um, (laughs) nor so distracting as to overshadow the central performances. Finally, the character should be a part that almost any good actress could play well, while also being a role textured with enough roomy contours to enable a better actress to be truly great. Ooh. Yeah. I just feel like, I mean, 
our very first episode of this podcast was like the quintessential best supporting actress. And this is a very succinct way to, I think, say a lot of what we have been saying as well. Yeah. Uh, a fancier way for sure. I but know. yes, um, I forget what it was already. Appropriate. Oh, um, yeah. That f- was it. A, I wanted appropriate to... exposure or sorry, maximum mm-hmm. capabilities. I boogered it up. Oh, no, it's, okay. it's all about <laughs> appropriate proportions with maximum possibilities. It sounds like a tagline for like a company or something like that. Right. That's supporting action. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think that's the thing is like it, it's I mean, the way I've always seen that same concept or that same idea is like here is a woman who's coming into the movie and doing more with less, you know? Yeah. It's like she's got 12 minutes of screen time, but is able to be as indelible as someone who's in almost every scene. It's all the nuances, too, that she she chooses to do. It's like, I, I don't know what... Because I think about, you know, the star power of Amy Ryan. This is the only thing that was nominated for an Oscar that year out of this entire movie. I could have seen a nomination for Ed Harris in there um, if we yeah. were really being generous. Um, we could also do a Casey Affleck nomination for lead actor because I thought he was great. I know yeah. he's problematic, but um, I'm trying to just, you know, look at this through the lens of, like, separate the art from the terrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But... Or like screenplay, I, I think Ben Affleck wrote the screenplay too, but I'm just surprised it didn't get more nominations. But I'm I'm really, I really love that it was just Amy Ryan that was nominated for an Oscar for this. Yeah, I I mean, it, and it it just, I, I think that that maybe makes it stand out even more, you know, when a mm-hmm. movie just has a Best Supporting Actress nomination, it doesn't feel like, you know, the, the Rising Tide nomination of like, oh, well, every other category had a nomination or like they had a lot yes. of press behind this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, I think in sort of in contrast before we really dive into Amy Ryan, I feel like why I wasn't as compelled by Tilda Swinton and Michael Clayton is because and this is so much about taste, because as we've talked about, like, you know, different people have different appreciations for what is the best supporting actress performance. But I think for me, the scenes where Tilda Swinton really clinched it was like those scenes in the bathroom stall having the yeah. panic attack. And I guess in my mind before I watched the movie, I thought we were going to see more of Tilda at that peak of like someone who was really like melting down. Yes. And I suppose when stinky Lulu says like, you know, she has moments, I guess those are kind of the moments I was hoping for. So, mm-hmm. um, I appreciate the, like the economy of Tilda Swinton's performance and like everything she does, you know, just in like checking the pit stains, but I just knew I wanted more, you know? Yeah. It's, it, it fits. I don't know why I can't remember this damn quote. What was it? Appropriate. Um, something. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, that that's I keep okay. No, no. I'm going to like type it down. I know. I wish type it, it down. Yeah, that's a phrase, yeah, right? The, so it's, um, <laughs> it's all about appropriate proportions with maximum possibilities. Uh, I'm typing it right now. That's going to be my new tagline on my Instagram. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Appropriate proportions, maximum possibilities. <laughs> That's uh, the, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I just really love yeah. it. But I think with Tilda, it was she did not get the appropriate uh, proportions. I think she's maximizing her time on screen. But mm. yes, I 100% agree that I actually wasn't really quite aware of what she was doing when she was even putting like the hit on people when she was kind of calling the bad guys quote unquote i did not know what was happening there Mm -hmm. i of course figured it out within like five or ten minutes but i was like what's 
she's in the story i think it's like she follows the rules of like she has she has stuff on her own she's integral she's of course very integral to the plot but i just wanted that i'm fucking freaking out here man she's she doesn't really get to communicate (laughs) with anyone else you know Mm -hmm. she's just kind of a lone wolf in the situation which adds of course to the stress of it all but i just wanted to see her um stressed out yeah for lack of a better word yeah Yeah. we really only see it towards the end in that scene where she and my she and michael like finally confront each other and she has i mean there's like this one shot of her like visibly shaking that i'm like okay well yes this is great she's giving it yeah you're giving it to us but I think it's so much of what you're saying is like she's maximizing the possibilities of when she's on screen, but I don't think her proportions are uh, appropriate. Appropriate. <laughs> I love that. Oh, God, um, I love it. Yeah. Well, that just now we're going to describe every performance through. Well, how are the proportions? But what about the possibilities? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we need to come up with a system here. Yeah, an equation. There's like charts. It's like Homeland. I have mm-hmm. like strings on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would. I would say. Um, conversely, like I'm so attached to that, like Hermione Badley and Room at the Top from last week. Yes. Where the proportions were not appropriate, but the possibilities were so maximized that I was like, okay, I get it. Like, yeah, yeah. I think there is, you know, Beatrice Straits. Mm-hmm. Let's look at that. It's like, I think there are ways where it could be imbalanced, but also still work. Right. And then another yeah. example, can, you know, that's sort of different is like Goldie Hawn in Cactus Flower. I think yeah. the proportions are too much. I don't think the possibilities are maximized. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. That's actually a really good point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, now I'm just stuck on this. So I, I love I love putting all of these um, performances we've analyzed through the like, know, exactly. through the machine of like proportionizing and possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> proportionizing. All that to be said, normally this is where we would uh play the winner's accepted speech i do think tilda's accepted speech for the oscar is very charming and yes um, very charming yeah and i think i mean she has i think certainly up to that point such a reputation of like being this more like art house kind of queen doing more esoteric things like i think be not being a mainstream actress and so i feel like this was you know maybe for a lot of people a great introduction to like you know just tilda just nerding out with her oscar um yeah yeah so why not you know what tilda let's let's give it to her let's let her talk let's let her accept her oscar it's like a minute long oh no uh happy birthday man i have an american agent who is the spitting image of this Really, truly, the same shape head, and it has to be said, the buttocks. (laughs) And I'm giving this to him because there's no way I would be in America at all, ever on a plane, if it wasn't for him. So, Brian Swordstrom, I'm giving this to you. And Tony Gilroy walks on water. It's entirely official, as far as I'm concerned. And... Jen Fox and Steve Samuels are incredible producers, and Sidney Pollack, and George Clooney. You know, the seriousness and the dedication to your art, seeing you climb into that rubber bat suit from Batman and Robin, the one with the nipples, every morning under your costume, <laughs> on the set, off the set, hanging upside down at lunch. You rock man, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, let's dive into Gone Baby Gone. 
Yes. Um, let's do it. So I I think like I mean the first time we see Helene we talk about this a lot in terms of like where does the best supporting actress enter you know mm-hmm. um, and like what is her what's her initial note and I think it's really interesting the first time we see Helene it's her talking to the news and talking to the press and maybe it's something I more get now that I've seen the whole movie and I know everything going on but it's kind of fascinating how she's so unconvincing in that scene like she's kind of doing similar to what Dottie was doing of just like saying these like bumper sticker things, you know? Yes. And I think that's like the brilliance of this performance too, is she is able, she, she is able to allow herself to genuinely be concerned and like erratic and sort of angry and um, all these other mixed emotions of like the fact that her daughter has gone missing. Mm -hmm. Like I think there is, but there is part of me that feels like she's enjoying this spotlight a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there's part of me that thinks that, wow, this is so cool that all these cameras are here. It's just like, and because the way it's just her body language, like I, if my child went missing, I would probably never sit down. And yeah. it's funny that like a lot of her scenes, she's just like chilling on the couch, drinking a beer, like relaxing. Like a, it's like a Sunday afternoon watching, you know, football. It's, it's very interesting. And even at the end which I won't say, it's just like, you wonder if like the right decision was made, but I love that it's like nothing's really changed, but it seems like it kind of has. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh man, I want you to turn your life around and you're kind of doing it, but not really. And I, but I still like you. Mm -hmm. I'm still rooting for you, which is hard to pull off. Yeah. You kind of root for her despite her. Um, Yes. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, she, I mean, that those early early scenes with Dottie on the couch, it looked like two teenage girls, you know, on summer vacation from high school watching Jerry Springer on the couch. You oh, know? yeah. Um, <laughs> Yo, Jerry Springer. Yeah, and it. like just, and it's, I think what's interesting about it is because Helene is being so obtuse in the beginning and so um, not concerned and like just not giving kind of the appropriate reaction that that ends up, her performance ends up really creating the mystery. It's like mm. you expect a certain thing, but I, I agree. I think a big part of it is that she likes the attention. She likes um, being the center of attention. I mean, this is someone who, while we don't get a ton of backstory on Helene, it stands to reason. This is not someone who's any, anyone has ever told is important, you know? Mm. And now mm-hmm. she is, you know, front page news. And even towards the end, you know, when she, um, when she's, you know, her Meredith Vieira interview or her American victim interview, like yeah. she, she feels like a bit of a celebrity and that's, that's kind of where she light, where she lights up, where she perks up is where she's the star. Yeah. It's like, she got a glow up but she got like a Boston glow up, which yeah. I also love. I mean, the white jean, like, oh, uh. it is, it's spectacular. The costuming, the, the wig, mm-hmm. the wig really informs a lot of that performance. I mean, obviously besides her talent, yeah. uh, but it, it's just so sweaty and greasy. It's like, I could smell that apartment um, and I love it. Yeah. I love the grime of it all and the way that she is just... I'm going to say something really controversial here, Colin. Um, this is kind of, I don't think to the extent of like the drug use or anything, but this is kind of what I wanted a little bit more of with Amy Adams and the fighter. I think if Amy, Amy Adams mm. had a little bit more grit mm. to her, but um, that this could have really elevated that. Cause like if I had, like if you had to choose between 
those two roles who would you who would you give this oscar to oh i mean absolutely to amy ryan i feel like yeah. uh amy adams i mean yeah there's something about her character where it's like okay yeah she's you know she's tough whatever but it doesn't feel like the like i think that sense of someone who's lived in this tough neighborhood all their whole life and has had to adapt to it in my mind there's something that has to kind of get broken it's kind of like yeah. breaking and resetting a bone I mm-hmm. feel like in Amy Ryan's character in Helene, this is someone who's repeatedly had something broken in them and it's all reset incorrectly. Whereas yeah. I feel like with Amy Adams' character, it's like there may have been things broken, but she's come back together in a way that feels untainted. You know, like it feels like you could lift her out of this neighborhood and she would survive. Whereas if you lifted Helene out of this neighborhood, she would not. Ooh, that's a great point. Yeah, and uh, with all that being said and adding to what you're um, essentially saying is like, Amy, I have to really think about it. I'll just call her Charlene. Fuck you, Charlene. Charlene, yeah. Charlene. Charlene, um, she is kind of always looking she's always on like the outskirts of the neighborhood. She's always kind of looking to make a better life for herself, for her and her daughter. And it's, but I also think that that's a fascinating dynamic of someone who can't escape her hometown but desperately needs to get out and is it's not necessarily a fish out of water but she's she's not like the rest of them but she still has to turn on that sort of boston grit every once in a while like kicking everyone's ass on the front porch but um i think and this is like another point of comparison too it's like i think i would love to see like amy ryan's character and christian bale's character like hang out i feel like Mm. they've been to the same crack house you know what i mean like i feel like it's the same it's the female version of that character there are the there are cadences in the voice there's the way obviously she's not as maybe drugged out as um dickie eckland was but um i i really I love that they're kind of cut from the same cloth in that yeah. regard. I forgot mm-hmm. about that, but it totally, I could see them being, you know, uh, snort and heroin together in the same crack den. Absolutely. And at the same token, Mark Wahlberg and Casey Affleck are also cut from the same cloth in the sense that they, they provide a sense of like rationale and like, uh, I don't know. They're just like, it's not that they're smarter than the rest of them, but they, they're, they're able to see things without really getting too, emotional or angry about it they, they act with like um logic mm-hmm. as opposed to just you know the opposite of that yeah there's some like smarts about them oh no oh, they're coming for me oh here they come yeah uh sorry they're, they're, uh-oh yeah uh it's just you know i'm growing up here in south boston you don't know <clears throat> you know what's gonna happen you know <laughs> Got these fucking MTV girls, you know? Um, speaking of which, I would also love to on see... On my front porch. Yeah, they're out here on my front porch. Uh, oh, that was so that was so Brooklyn. Um, I would also love to see Amy Madigan and Melissa Leo interacting. Oh, my know? gosh. Like, two older, tough Boston ladies. One of them, this like uptight Christian lady, and one of them neck acting with a cigarette, you know, in a recliner. I'm sorry. Who are you? Why are you talking? <laughs> Why you talking is one of my favorite Melissa Leo lines in that scene. Yeah, why, yeah. why are you talking? But, but you could totally see them running into each other at the supermarket and like, oh, hey, B, you know, like. Yes, yes. I, and maybe like they know each other and they're polite to each other, but they actually hate each other, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, it's funny, like talking about the fighter and God Baby Gone. It's like, yeah, I, I just want this to be this like. Um, like fan fiction. I'm going to start writing it. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It's like this sort of like, re- you know, this repertory of actors and characters yeah. to just pull from and create stories mm-hmm, from. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, speaking of B, uh, I mean, that kind of leads us to, I think, for Helene, the interrogation scene. Yes. Um, with Ed Harris, who... Ed Harris, there's moments in this movie where I'm like, oh my God, he's so quintessential best supporting actor. He's giving a great performance. I'm really into it. And then there's moments where I'm like, this is so over the top. This is so over the top. And then I'm like, but guys like this exist. Like like when they get drunk together and he has that whole thing talking about planting the evidence. I was like, remembering that he was very drunk in that scene. I was like, yeah. A guy like that would get too passionate, you know? Yes. But also there's a level of theatricality without giving too much away that I feel like he has to put on mm-hmm. during these interrogation scenes for reasons that we can't talk about. Um, that I think that it's kind of... There's... I get why he's doing that. But I also think, like, you know, it's the classic just line of, like, I'm not joking around here. And he throws everything mm-hmm. off the table. I'm like, we don't really need this do we you can maybe Mm -hmm. slam your fist and accomplish the same thing uh it's fine yeah the only time where i liked that but it was more about helene was um when he's like yelling in her ear like how much and she kind of flinches and turns away Mm -hmm. and it's just like great reactionary acting from amy ryan uh but I, I love this interrogation scene mostly because i mean i always love when there's two women in the room you know like i love when there's another woman in the room to keep the scene interesting. I love when B is kind of this great, you know, assistant to the best supporting actress in these scenes. Yeah. Um, like when they're talking about the money and she says $130,000. And I just love when Helene goes, yes, B. Yes. That was like one that, of my, that, yes, B. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love that. It's so like that scene really displayed like the way that she, um, the way she kind of laughs, and she's like, you know, it's my, it's my house. It's my kitchen, actually. It's my house. And she's just, like, amused with the situation in a way. It's like, and she's got this, like, bravado that I just, uh, I love seeing it come out. Yes, because Lionel is her brother, played by uh, Titus Welliver, who I've seen in other things. He's normally, that mustache, it's like, that was oh. a choice. I don't know yeah. why they had that, but fine. I think he's very handsome, too. Like, it with stash. Yeah removed of course but i because it's her brother it's like he she can it just reminds me it's like a a a glimpse into their childhood of like him always kind of maybe getting aggressive with her but she knows that he's like a big wuss you know and that she's like she's like it's my kitchen and then she smiles at him because that's ooh, it's just like it's one of the worst things you could do like if someone's legitimately upset and you laugh at them it's just Mm -hmm. it, it makes the other person get super angry but um, like you said, I, I I just love that there's still time to throw a jab at B, even d- during this serious uh, like uh, interrogation mm-hmm. that she still has a moment to be like, yes. Uh, and then, of course, there's, you know, like when B's like you brought Amanda with you, um, you know, to a drug deal. Ooh. And that that I mean, to me, in some ways, I mean, I don't I don't know if I would say this is for me the quintessential when she won it, but I think it is such expert delivery and like i am not going to do it any justice but the line of like i don't got no daycare you know mm-hmm. um you know it's hard being a mother it's hard raising a family and she like paces it out and she's like it's hard raising a family you know all on my own and then she just drives the fucking stake in it's like but god made you barren so you wouldn't fucking know so i understand b you know um oh. and i just 
but God made you barren. Like the, the, the way she like slides into that line. And I mean, it's such a great parallel of performances because here's Amy Ryan just going full tilt in some ways. And then Amy Madigan, another Amy, just like tight lipped saying, you are an abomination. Yes. That was, (laughs) Oh my God. I fucking loved it. It was such a great, it's such a great moment between two women. Yeah. It's funny because like she obviously has to like go out in the world with her daughter too. But like from what we learn later on is that, you know, Lionel and Amy Madigan, I forget her character's name too. Oh, B. Jeez. Um, B. That B. They're, they're pretty Bye, much. B. Yeah. <laughs> they're pretty much the, the caretakers, you know, like they, they're mm-hmm. able to pop in and like, I feel like they're, um, you know, the daughter or the little girl is just as much uh, Amanda, excuse me, uh, is just much their daughter as it is like, um, Helene's too so it's it's interesting mm-hmm. that she throws that out there like I'm doing this all on my own and that that wasn't the argument that was made like you're doing this on your own we're the ones over here checking in on her while you're out but I guess they can't really throw her under the bus even though she just admits that she's you know doing all these drug deals and whatever but anyway yeah complicated I, mean, I think it's really ex- yeah exactly it's exposing a reality that like well well Helene is kind of using that to stick it to be in that moment there is i think when she says when she looks up and just says like i don't got no child care mm-hmm. and like just kind of holds it i think there's a she's not just saying that to like you know to set up a read you know like yes. it's true she's like what do you what do you expect me to do and there's a lot of moments of that of like what did you expect me to do like call cheese and be like hey i got your money do you have my daughter you know like mm-hmm. she is so deep in the shit that she can't i mean it's like there is an element of because of the road that she's gone down, there's certain decisions she's made where you're like, I don't know what other option she had at that point. Yeah. And that doesn't mean it's okay, but it, it doesn't seem so unfathomable when you think about the reality of her life. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, of course, I mean, in terms of her next scene is, you know, when she's riding in the back seat yeah, with uh, Patrick and Angie, uh, I, I particularly love Michelle Monaghan playing Angie in this Oh, yeah. We haven't talked she's... about her yet. Yeah. She's a great character. I love that she is in so many of the scenes that women often aren't in, you know? Like when they go to confront Cheese and all of that. Like I, I liked that Patrick and Angie, it was not like the woman, oh, stay here. You know, I'm going to handle this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, she And she had her own... I liked her energy. I liked... I mean, it's a very quiet performance, but I think... If you rewatch it, there's a lot of moments in this that really there's an undercurrent about Angie and her feelings about this this little girl. Like throughout the whole movie, and it makes sense why she eventually dives off a cliff um, to potentially save Amanda is because uh, like the whole time, I think the weight of like, oh, my God, like this is a little girl yeah. is is weighing down on her more and more. And it's played really subtly. Subtly, I um, I was impressed with how they played those notes so quietly. I have this like theory that like, it's like, obviously you could prove it wrong very quickly that she's like almost like Bruce Willis in the sixth sense that she's like a ghost because no one really interacts with her because of what you just said. It's like mm. the only person that really truly interacts with her besides like a couple bar people. And like, obviously uh, Helene does too, is Casey Affleck. It's like the, the, he, she's just like a fixture of his imagination because she is so quiet in this role. She doesn't want to take the case, but there are subtle, there's really a lot of subtlety there and a lot of restraint that's um, sort of woven into this character that has a lot 
more going on underneath the surface than what we know but we do see glimpses of it too but i like her i i want to see more of her i think she's beautiful yeah. and i i enjoy the performance as well i feel like she may be similar to like james marsden we were talking about last week mm-hmm. where like anything she's in anything I, I i don't think i've seen her in a lot of things but like anytime she's popped up it's like yeah she's a good actress i don't think i don't think she's on anyone anyone's oscar radar but she always gives like a solid performance yeah. so and I felt like in this was a great example of it was just such a solid performance the whole time. Yeah, I feel like she's um, like the Charlene, to be honest, if we're doing that sort of mm-hmm. like she she's from Boston, but she's a little bit more put together. And yeah, um, and all the and it's and, and, and like even Dottie saying like, oh, you think you're better than me? You know, it's like one of those mm-hmm. things like you're still conceited. I could see it, you know? Yeah. It's one of those yeah, things. I was going to say, I feel like that moment told us so much about who Angie always has been. Yes. And that like. She's always had a leg up on the Helenes and the Dotties of this world. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and of course, I'm grateful for her in the scene because, you know, then we get, you know, we get all the faggot talk. I know. Um, and Rita, it's it's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's a And obviously, it's just, it's very realistic. Of course. The way yes. Helene would talk. And it's interesting. I, I can tell it's very subtle how Patrick is played where he has to kind of code to these people and he mm-hmm. knows how to. And so he... It seems to me like I'm yeah, I'm sure he's not a stranger to the word faggot, but we're not shown him being that awful of a human being in the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so you know that he's putting this on to find a connecting point with her. Yes. And it's um I thought that was really interesting and the way the scene is shot where we kind of get to see Angie quietly reacting and listening the whole time before she finally snaps. And then there's Helene in the middle who's just acting out but also like coming i feel like we're seeing a new layer of helene like amy ryan is kind of revealing more of her humanity even if it's kind of ugly in this scene yes yeah i and it's like she's not being so defiant you know yeah because i i think a lot of i mean specifically the men in that bar scene where everyone goes from like a zero to like i'm gonna shoot you (laughs) you know what i mean that scares me that's like one other thing that's just like the moment you disrespect someone in Boston is the end. It's the end. It's like, you, mm-hmm. there's no going back. There's no turnaround. There's no negotiating. It's like, all right. But everyone has that temper, I guess. And, um, and it all stems from obviously different things. But uh, yeah, I did enjoy that. I love that he kind of came, I, it sounds condescending, but like came down to her level um, of just like, oh, mm-hmm. like you went to, I, you know, we went to this high school. It's, it's a really, and she's, I wouldn't say dumb enough to fall for it, but like she, she knows how to have that conversation and she's, and she just kind of slips right into it and accidentally like gives mm-hmm. more information about what was going on because cops can't do that. You know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah. He's, yeah. He has that unique sit, uh, situation where he isn't necessarily a co- He's like a private investigator, right? It's like, that's kind of mm-hmm. uh, his bread and butter, yeah. I guess it's not the same situation as talking to the cops, yeah. you know? And I feel like that's kind of the whole, the, the running thing is that he's able to go in and talk to cheese or go in and talk mm-hmm. to Helene and like, you know, or even his friend Bubba, who I, I'm very fascinated by his like drug dealer friend, um, who he eventually oh, goes God. to the, the that was crack stressful. house with. That was stressful. Oh my God. That's, that's like whole set piece was really stressful. Yeah. Jesus. Um, but I love, like, I think he's, um, it seems to me he's a he's a Jill Quigg sort. He's like from all of yeah. this. I think I think the guy who played Bubba is named Slain. Okay. Um with an E at the end, I guess just to keep it classy. <laughs> but there was something about him that I 
I was so interested in him. I felt like seeing the way that he and Patrick connect and kind of seeing how how there are some like layers to his humanity. Like he will warm up if you say the right things, basically. Yes. Um, I thought those layers were interesting. Like I think I was surprised I found men interesting. Because normally in these kind of movies, they're just like tough guys that I'm afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> no, there are layers. And I think it's just, it's really yeah. through the lens of... Um, Patrick's character the way that he's because he knows these people too it's like you almost need yeah. you need someone that's able to talk to these people because I mean I get why cops don't have the time or you know the 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 bedside manner to just like get to know them have a fucking cup of, a cup of coffee Ed you know it reminds me of that like mm-hmm. the Aaron Brockovich moment mm-hmm. um, because right. it means something to them it means that like I think it goes along with that sort of sense of I don't know if it's hospitality but like Show me that you're one of us first before I tell you anything, before I trust you. You know, I need mm-hmm. to know that you you get where I'm coming from. And I think that's really it trans translates to like any human. It's not just like a Boston thing, but I think that it is important to people of Boston, or at least in this story, that you you, you sit down and get to know them and that there's some sort of connection first, uh, in order for me to to spill the beans. <laughs> I yeah totally I think that there is there's this sort of like tribe clan you know um, mentality yeah. of like well first we have to kind of initiate you in yeah you yeah. know um, I just remembered this one line just before we move on from the the ride in the back seat and getting to Ray's house there's this great great moment where Helene is talking about you know this whole situation with Amanda and she says something like you know she needs her sleep. You know, there's this moment where she's playing the like the the caring mother, and it's. I feel like that's really what breaks Angie. Of like, are you are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I and I just it's such a great. That was so real to me. Yeah. Of like somebody who's so delusional like that. Like that to me is. I, I feel like we see that kind of delusion now with the coronavirus of people who are like acting like they're they're being so concerned but it's like pull your mask over your nose you idiot you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> like, yeah uh, i agree so we get to ray's house we discovered that our boyfriend ray is dead yeah um i think that's when the weight of the situation really hits helene and where we see her character start to change yeah. like when we see that shot of her in the backyard just kind of like her hands in her hair just kind of uh, that body language, the dramatic, you know, physical drama yeah. of being just like, fuck, what do I do? Um, I I think there's that. I I love the moment where they say they're going to go talk to Cheese and she says, tell him I'm sorry. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's so like, again, so delusional. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and then I, I mean, I think I would say to me, maybe like, because of the performance up to this point, what was kind of the most surprising in that she sold it was when they get back home and she starts to break yes. down and starts crying. Yeah. Um, I think that the way that that scene is played out and, and how emotional she gets, you do really buy, even though she's not a good mother. She's just not. Yeah. Like, she's not. She's not. But you do buy in that moment the weight of, like, oh, God, I just want my daughter back. Mm-hmm. Like, I just... There is something primal that comes out. And I think it's... um. I think it's a very hard transition for someone that awful to suddenly seem that genuine. But, uh, and you know, the way she says like, I'll stop doing drugs. I promise. Like I'll, I'll get clean. I, I really believed her. I really believed like this woman. And it sounded like someone who 
is going to at least try, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Know? It's like a, the whole Ray situation. like, And also the fact that she was like kind of involved in that situation, right? It's like she's kind of fearing mm-hmm. for her own life, but also it's... Um, she's realizing in, in those situations, you realize like what is important or, you know, the things that you might, that you value, I guess, too. And like, obviously it is her daughter. It's like, hello. It's like, why are you being so casual about all this? So it, it, it has, Mm. I'm so glad that that did happen because Mm -hmm. I think this contributes to what we were saying before, as far as like, you still are rooting for her, especially in this moment. Cause she's like, I, yeah, it's a turnaround moment or a potential turnaround moment. And I don't think we fully get there by the end of the movie. But and it's like the she's she makes Patrick promise that he'll find her, which is that's that's hard. It's like but I, I do like yeah. his choice to say, I promise, you know, like what else is he going to say? Like it's been four mm-hmm. days and she's probably dead. It's 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 a lot. But yeah, I'm rooting for her, and yeah. I I did believe her too. I was like, okay, yes, okay, she's coming around. This is this is good. This is good. Right. Yeah, and that scene. I mean, obviously, without spoiling anything, I think that moment is so integral. Of like, I promise, I'm gonna find her. Like, you know, there. I think that moment has to resonate for him later. Mm-hmm. You know, that here was this woman who was just like face to face with him. Of like, please, like, I just need you to find my daughter. Mm-hmm. And like, I think there's, it. It's just. It's very. It's really impressive that she can kind of bring that much pathos out in someone who is just like the worst. Yeah. She's, I think that's, it's important to say that like in no way is she a good mother. Like it's at any point of this movie. That's not going to change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, we, we don't really, Helene kind of leaves the movie except for like one, you know, brief scene. Uh, But she kind of leaves the movie until the end. Uh, And obviously there's that, that great, um, I think, you know, halfway through the movie, it's decided that, okay, Amanda is dead. And you you kind of have to realize that the movie is not over. Mm-hmm. And so without spoiling everything, <clears throat> Amanda is alive at the end of the yeah, movie. And Amanda and Helene are reunited. Um, so minor spoiler. Yeah. But we can't talk about the performance without talking about these moments. Yes, it's true. Uh, yeah. I, I watched a few times the kind of the, the reunion moment. Like it's so interesting how it's all on oh, camera, it's fascinating. you know, and and it's like she is doing some level of performance. Like she's, I think it's almost like she's so relieved that her daughter is alive and that like the nightmare is over. But there isn't the same jubilation and relief of like, oh, thank God, I can continue to be a mother. You yeah. know, yeah. Ugh, there are so like, many layers. She's, Go for it. Yeah, keep going. No, just like she's not. She's she's not. Uh, she has that responsibility again. Yeah, you know? it's like the party's over. Uh, it's like, uh, mm-hmm. I think that this whole scene is is maybe the moment that she would have won it for me. I mean, they're all the moments that we mm-hmm. talked about before are really, truly great. But I was, mm-hmm. I think it's just because of what I was expecting to happen and what I was like, oh yeah, she's not going to be thrilled about this at the same time too, mm-hmm. is... I expected like falling to her knees, the daughter, you know, being mm-hmm. handed to her and like a sob fest. But in, 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 in place of that, we kind of just get lukewarm. There are some tears, I guess. I think it's, uh, it's like they're hard to spot, but like it also sucks that like 
this wasn't a private like you feel like there would be like maybe yeah. a police station or something involved in this but maybe that it was her choice to have it on the street i often wonder like how that what was set up or why was it set up this way i mean i think it's from what we saw in the beginning like this is an opportunity for her to be the star yes. again for her to be important and for her to matter i mean this is I think when the car pulls up and she's about to be reunited and she starts oh, fixing her bangs. It was, that was my moment for me. I It really that, yeah. was. I was like, oh my gosh, I love that she did that. I love that. I know. It, I agree. I think it, like that is where it's like the nuances matter. Yes. Because that tells you everything you need to know about that yes she fixes her i know i'm like mad you beat me to that because i was that was literally what i was sorry (laughs) like what i was gonna say next i was like oh he did but i'm I'm, obviously i'm glad that we're both on the same page because that was the moment for me i laughed at it at first and i was like and then i kind of thought about why she would even choose to do that but yeah it's not about the reuniting it's about her reuniting Mm. on camera and the, yeah. Just the the word salad that she is saying. She's like, I'd like to thank the the po- the police and the firefighters. I feel like nine eleven. It's it's like that is. I I hesitate to like saying that line at the beginning of the episode, but it's so wacky that I it's mm-hmm. it's. I don't think it's even a joke on nine eleven per se. It's just like no. I I also understand that maybe. Yeah, it just reminds me of Dottie on camera at the beginning. She's like, oh, mm-hmm. I just feel so... She didn't know what to say. And there's so much of yeah. like... There's so much probably going on in her head. She's like, I got to take care of this fucking kid again, I guess. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it's, it was fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, I think the line of like, I feel like 9-11 right now, I, that's such a an early 2000s Americana statement. Mm. That is something that like... That makes sense to me. I know exactly what she's saying. It's that like, <clears throat> it because really what she's saying is I feel like September 12th right mm-hmm. now. I feel like September 13th. I feel like feeling grateful for police you know, officers and firefighters yeah. and feeling that the community has come together. There's that brief moment where everyone was nice to each other, you know? And, and it's funny that that is, it's like, it was like this indelible feeling that, that America had. You know, and that would still feel relevant in 2007. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love when she said, oh, my my heart is brimming right now. Yeah. Like, I just... (laughs) It's perfect. It reminds Uh, me at, like, the end of Chicago. She's, like, such a Roxy Hart in this moment when the trial is over and, and, like, they're moving on to the next murder on the street. And then Amos is still in there. And he's like, Roxy, we can go back to our life now. And she's like... They didn't even want my picture. It's like almost this. It's mm. like it's never it wasn't about the trial. It wasn't about Amos. It was about fame. And I think in a small portion it is. I mean, obviously, they're not the same character or not the same story, but it has hints of that of just like. And then you see, I mean, I'm kind of moving on to the next part, so I don't want to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I guess like the aftermath of it all, too, is like. Casey Affleck shows up to kind of check in on Helene and like she got her her glow up. She was on these talk mm-hmm. shows. She probably has a little bit of money now. She has these suitors. He drove. What did he, she say? He drove down from. He, what was it? He drove down from yeah. Providence. So you know, she's like, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess I will. It's like that's sort of like. <laughs> I kind of love that. She's like, so I guess I that know. means something. I'll, I'll try it. It's <laughs> that I love that. Um, yeah, she's kind of charming in this scene yeah. because I. The way I read this is that 
she's gotten she's off the heroin she's at least clean from the heroin for mm-hmm. now but she's still drinking you know like she's still smoking she probably still like whatever she's not a total junkie now yes. but i don't think that that's gonna last yeah. um that's just that's my feeling is that this is not someone who has turned their life around completely but is just on the upswing of getting clean and she's yeah she's she's got a new look she's got you know she's fixed her hair the house seems a little bit cleaner b's gone um fuck b (laughs) i just i that i mean in some ways is my moment is the is the way that she just hates b yeah (laughs) it's just so that sister-in-law energy Um, it's so important that she's her sister-in-law and not her sister if that makes sense like i Mm -hmm. just feel that that's Mm -hmm. an added you know level of tension yeah, totally. In the same way that there is an added nuance to the fact that she and Lionel are actual siblings. Yes. And like that whole scene with the kitchen earlier, like, of course, this is how you guys have been your whole yeah. lives. Yeah. I, I do also really, I don't, I didn't love the actual, like in real life, but like, I love the choice not to even kiss Amanda goodbye as she leaves. It's like, oh, she, I yeah. think that's also very telling of like how mm-hmm. things have not changed. And it just makes me so sad because that little girl is so cute. And she's just sitting on that couch watching her cartoons or whatever. Maybe Jerry Springer. Who knows? Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, she barely even looks at yeah. it. I mean, it's so, especially after she has, like, you know, the the last scene of her, you know, talking to the cops or, you know, talking to the, to the press. And she's saying, you know, never let your kids out of your sight. Don't trust them with anybody. And it's like, I think it's just this hint of, like, you know, I think the message of this movie is, like, yeah, this woman is amanda's mother and like technically she has the right to raise her daughter you know however she ends up raising Mm -hmm. her like that's just those are the rules of law here and the rules of nature here but like this was not the best outcome for amanda despite everything else that happened in the movie this was not the best outcome. and without giving Um, too much away of like the alter the alternative alternative you know trajectory of amanda's life too it's like i i thought about this movie a lot after it was over i was like yeah Mm -hmm. he made the right decision but he didn't make the right decision all at the same time i'm talking about casey affleck's Mm -hmm. character because it's it's i'm dancing around what actually happened so it's i'm just gonna you know take a step away from it but it's it's definitely a movie that I, i want to watch again because of what i know now there's a lot of different things that you can pay attention to especially like the performances of ed harris of like what was actually mm-hmm. going on and watching him like quote unquote perform and um, see how he navigates the movie. But uh, I was, I was at the edge of my seat, especially when things really started to unravel and you really truly saw what was happening behind the scenes. I loved oh. it. I really, really yeah. like this movie. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a dark fucking movie, but uh, it's, yeah, I would watch it again just because there's so many elements that once the movie's over, you're like, okay, wait, I need to know how all of this got set up. All these pieces got set up. Yes. You know? I definitely gasped at the biggest moment of the movie, which I will not talk about, but I, for some reason, did not expect it. I did not see it coming at all. Mm-hmm. So it made it even more satisfying for me to be like, what? <laughs> but Yeah. And I didn't remember how it, like what the decision yeah. was. Like I couldn't remember how it all played out um but yeah it's it's pretty it's it's pretty fucked yeah, up it definitely uh, is yeah gone baby gone um <sighs> fuck b fuck b yeah. 
Fuck B. <laughs> oh my god. It's just well, and so apparently when Amy Ryan auditioned for this movie, Amy Ryan is originally from New York. Mm. She like really got into character, like fully like to the point where they didn't realize like Ben Affleck was like, What part of Boston are you from? Like <gasps> no way. and apparently the security thought she was just a fan and didn't know that she like they weren't gonna let her in at Whoa. first because they thought she was just some Jill Quick. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, so Amy Ryan just like leaned in and, um, became this woman. And I just, I, uh, I just think she's great. I just think she's such a great actress. In some alternate universe, like if I'm making my BSA, you know, whenever I get around to making my BSA, who should have won YouTube video, it's, it's Amy Ryan. It's Mm -hmm. Amy Ryan without a doubt. Yeah. Well, that of course takes us to act two of the show where first things first, uh, we have another edition of BSA Today. (laughs) Okay, so I found out something and I had no idea that this was even in existence. Have you ever heard of the Gracie Awards, Colin? No. Okay, so this is an award show for women by women celebrating women. It's it's our dream. Oh. And I had no idea that this was in existence. So it's basically the Alliance for Women in Media. It's an organization, like I just said, for women, by women. And they're committed to supporting women across all media to expand networks, educate, and celebrate accomplishments. Um, so the Gracie Awards, or the Gracies, they honor exemplary programming created by, for, and about women in radio, television, and interactive media. And it's just lovely. And so a list of, it's not necessarily, there are no nominations. It's just like, it's decided, you know, before mm-hmm. the ceremony actually starts. But um, a lot of our favorite ladies won awards or were honored um at the Gracie's this year. So I want to mention a couple of them. Um, So Fiona Shaw won for Best Supporting Actress uh, for Killing Eve, which I don't watch, Colin, and I need to. I know it's like everyone's probably out there saying like, come on, Woody, like Sandra Oh and Jodie Comer and Fiona Shaw. Like I, I need, I feel behind, which is probably why I feel that I, uh, I'm not so eager to jump on the bandwagon too. And I know it's kind of violent. So I'm, I think that's what's stopping me is I'm just kind of, uh, I, the, I've heard, that's what I've heard is, Oh, it's pretty violent though. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if there's a Fiona Shaw, like super cut out there. Right. Or like make, give, make a more powerful argument for why we should be watching this despite the violence. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and Amy Poehler won along, uh, she won or was honored that night along with Leslie Headland and Natasha Leone for producing Russian doll. Um, uh-huh. I don't know. I never saw Russian doll yet either too. It's all, it's not even on my list, but it's, I know yeah. that it exists. Great. Um, yeah, it's one of the things I'll get to eventually. Yeah, I think so. so but if anyone's out there that like, has a pitch for a Russian doll and why should we should watch it? Like send us a tweet or an email. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Williams, of course, won for best actress in the leading role for Fosse Verdon, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. And then I will, I will give a shout out to this. Um, uh, Danae Guerrera won for best lead actress in a drama for the walking dead. And I know you're probably not a walking dead fan. I might assume, am I correct in assuming you, that you are correct? Okay. I think I know who you're talking about, but she that's... was in, yeah, she was in, um, mm-hmm. uh, black Panther. She plays mm-hmm. Michonne. She's like the, like the lead badass. Um, and she is great in that, uh, show. Like there are a lot of really great lady performances in the walking dead, um, of course, there's no obligation to watch it, but I just wanted to give her a shout out to because she is incredible. And I was always surprised because it's an AMC show. It's like it's not totally out of the realm of possibility for someone to be nominated for. And it's like a hugely popular show. It's still going. Jesus. Um, but yeah. 
Yikes. Um, so there's that. Um, and I'd the, like to check the pedometers on those dead because they've been doing a lot of walking. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Ugh. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention real quick is there's a documentary that is actually it's airing on the Stars Network right now. Um, and it's called This Changes Everything. Have you heard of this documentary, Colin? No. Okay. So it's a documentary film that takes an incisive look into the history empirical evidence and a systemic forces that uh foster gender disparity in hollywood so great um and mm-hmm. it features interviews with gina davis meryl streep rashida jones reese witherspoon sandra oh jessica chastain natalie portman kate blanchett tiffany haddish taraji p henson and many more it's basically Jesus. just women coming together for women and talking about how you know the the inequality in hollywood and just speaking upon that too so i need to get a hold of that um so that's available on stars and it's it's called this changes everything so i just wanted to throw that out into the universe because i feel like that's something that could easily go under the radar that i never even Mm -hmm. knew about that i would love and the trailer looks amazing it's very well done um yeah and that won the best like documentary film at the gracies this year so that's why it ties into that Wow, yeah, and the Gracies. Thank I know, yeah. It's up on that. So that was yeah. really exciting for me. And uh, women celebrating women, slam dunk. Yeah, yeah, I'm into that. Uh, well, great. Did you have any other BSAs for today? Uh, um, BSA no, the <laughs> only other BSAs? thing that I would say is um, Hereditary is coming to Netflix on June 15th. I thought of you, so hooray. That'll be I mean, easily available yeah. for everyone. Maybe I'll watch it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, oh, God, it is, uh, you know, I could go, I've gone on and on and on about it. The, the only thing I would say, the new, the fresh thought I would have on that is Tony Collette is fabulous in it, but I would love to see what, in an alternate universe, Tilda Swinton would do with that role. Ooh, that's a great, because, yeah, yeah. yeah. Possibility I, there. I could get into that. Um Yeah, you know what, I also, you know, random thought about Tilda Swinton, maybe we've talked about this of, like, actors who could play siblings you know oh, or like yeah. we'd love to see play siblings i'd love to see tilda swinton and kate blanchett play siblings oh i think i would explode that's so I good know. colin right right i mean it'd be oh my god it'd be so oh, great just the sheer uh, um poise of both of them you know what i mean right it's just like yeah oh let's oh, make that god. happen let's let's write that screenplay yeah. um the other, the last thing I'll say on our BSA Today segment is that there's this new show called Space Force coming out. Have you heard of that? That That's a little no. bit more widely known, maybe. Okay, well, great. So um, it's a Steve Carell vehicle. It's his next sort of foray. Oh. Yeah, it's basically mm-hmm. they're creating a new branch of the military, and it's called Space Force, and it's a little bit wacky. The rest of the cast is uh, there's John Malkovich. There's Ben Schwartz, uh, who played John Ralphio in Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. There's Jane Lynch. And, of course... There is, um, I mean, the the, why, the reason why I'm excited about it, Lisa Kudrow is That's She right. plays Steve Carell's wife. Oh, that, I yes. did hear uh, that, yes. And um, it's created by Greg Daniels, who wrote and produced The Office and Parks and Rec, so I feel like it's in good hands. I'm excited. I feel that that's on Netflix, question mark, but I could follow up with that. I feel like it's coming out fairly soon. Uh, so yeah, that's the news. That's the news for this week on BSA Today. Well, thank you. Yeah. I'm, oh, God. Space yeah. Force. Now I'm so excited. Steve Carell and Lisa Kudrow. Yes. Oh, my God. This is 
Yeah, playing husband and wife. Um, Yeah. Oh, God, just like geniuses. Mm -hmm. All right, well, uh, that is, thank you for that. Um, Of course, our final segment is, of course, where we talk about any nominations, and then, of course, our choice for our BSA of the week. Um, Just for anyone unfamiliar, our BSA of the week is a performance or a movie or a food or a thing or anything in our lives that is acting as the best supporting actress of our lives this week. Um, yes. So do you have any nominations or what have you got? Yeah, I have two nominations and then an, an actual BSA of the week, the winner. So my two nominations, uh, Keon and I finished Dead to Me season two. Oh, good. This past week. Um, I have so much to say about the finale that, um, of course, I can't speak to you about because you haven't seen it yet, but that is Okay. Um, there's no rush or pressure. Um, but if anyone out there has finished season two of Dead to Me, be sure to tweet me at Nikochanov because I have opinions. <laughs> but also, uh, I was happy with it, question mark. Um, but it also leaves room for season three, which I'm thrilled to have um, to see more, you know, Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini on my screen. And they're both lovely. But honestly, it's like, I, I think Linda Cardellini seals the mm. show. Uh, most of the time that she's on screen. So she's my... Christina Applegate is, of course, spectacular. Let it be known. But um, there's something about... Linda Carlini's character's name is Judy. Mm -hmm. And I just fucking love her. She's awesome. Uh, And she's great. And she's funny. And she can cry really well. And I think that she has a lot more to do in season two, which has... uh, I'm sure she'll be nominated. I wonder if they both be nominated in lead categories or if they'll bump her to, like, supporting. Yeah, right. Doesn't matter. not competing, yeah. Yeah, and another best supporting actress of the week um, is uh, actually just nominated. Uh, just nominated. Just downloaded this about I don't know. I think over the weekend. It's called Minimalist, and it's Minimalist emphasis on the list, and it's a to do list app that's really just like changing my life. Wow, <laughs> it's just really nice. <clears throat> I always am making lists. I'm kind of doing stuff on my notes app on my phone, but like the way that it's designed is quite minimalist, for lack of a better word. So it's appropriately named, um, and it's really I really prefer minimalist sort of things. I don't really like a lot of clutter, and especially on my to do list, it's just very sleek and well-designed and very user-friendly if anyone's kind of looking for a way to even slightly organize their life in these times of quarantine where it very very easily can seem out of control and um when you don't feel like doing anything it's just nice to write it down at least for Mm -hmm. me so um minimalist yeah has been my runner not a sponsor Uh, yeah not a sponsor but uh I love them. And my BSA the week, I've been saving this for a while and saving it, uh, maybe forgetting about this for a couple weeks now, too. I have been playing Words with Friends um, with a special woman in my life who is actually my second grade teacher. Wow. Um, And I found her because you can link your Facebook to Words with Friends. And um, she is she was she is probably my favorite teacher that i've ever had her name is mrs nemeth and she she obviously does not listen to this podcast but um she and i have she's been like sending messages to me and just like checking in and she is just like she was everything you've ever want wanted in an elementary school teacher and i i had a really special connection with her and i feel like she knew she was like the first woman who knew i was gay mm-hmm. <laughs> you know right, what i mean right. it's like oh this little goose of a of a child in my second grade class and i love her a lot and it's been really fun just connecting with her she's really good she's been killing me actually um but 
it's fun to reconnect with her and she comments on my statuses every once in a while if i'm doing some sort of project she'll say like i always knew you were meant for great things it's really lovely and yeah. i love her <clears throat> yeah she's she's all incredible. right well congratulations yeah. mrs nemeth um i don't think i have any other nominations i think my bsa of the week this happens where i will see something or you know and then i just become obsessed and i just yes i mean i think in the details is kind of a a uh, certainly a product of that is I just become so obsessed with something and I just stare at the stare at it till it's just grainy. And so there was, uh, I, I talked about this with you, you know, uh, when we talked last week, but there was this movie that yeah. I came across through a rabbit hole of things. It was this movie from 1951 called cause for alarm. And it's, um, it's, I, it would be kind of considered in a way like a film noir, you know? And so there's mm -hmm. sort of the whole genre where, you know, there's lots of double crossing and blackmail and murder and people covering things up. And it usually doesn't end well for anyone because, you know, there's most people are implicated in some way and the innocent folks die. And it, it, and, you know, it often takes place at night and there's, you know, these back alley and, you know, meetings <laughs> and, you know, trench coats and all of that shit. And so this was such, and, and that I is a real aesthetic, but isn't really like my thing. And this yeah. was such a different version of that. So, Cause for Alarm stars Loretta Young, who's this big Hollywood actress, and she had a TV show, and she's just, you know, she's one of those big, you know, big studio names, won an Oscar. And so she stars as this housewife who whose husband is very sick, and he, in start, for whatever reason, you know, I think we, we kind of get the sense that he's kind of always been an asshole, but he starts to kind of go crazy in his illness, and he becomes paranoid that his wife and his doctor, who's also an old friend of the couple, that they're plotting to kill him. And so Oof. while on his deathbed, so to speak, or, you know, on his sickbed, he writes a letter to the district attorney implicating his wife and his doctor in his murder should he die. And then Whoa. he, like, tricks his wife into mailing it. And by the way, all of this takes place in one, like, one day. Like, there's a flashback earlier on to kind of, like, the establishment of the relationship. But otherwise, everything takes place over a few hours. It's really great. And so she mails the letter, and then there's a whole altercation where he reveals his plot to her, and he pulls a gun on her, and then he dies. And then uh, and Loretta Young, like the, the character she plays, is just like so she's, – she's not a film noir, you know um, – femme fatale like she is yeah. innocent she is you know harmless she's sweet and you know not a very strong character either and now she has to like basically the second half of the movie is her trying to get this letter back before it goes to the Ooh. district attorney and you wouldn't think that it would be so intense or that it would get so exciting because there's something so mundane about all of it. it yeah. It's so mundane, and yet you get so wrapped up. And what's great about it, what's re really the conceit of the movie, is that every step that she takes to fix the situation only makes her look more guilty. And so it's realizing that as this goes on, you know she's innocent, but as she tries to fix it, now it's like, well, yeah, she does seem really suspicious, and this happens, and that happens, and there's so many, like, oh, fuck moments, and it's it's 77 minutes, so it is, especially once it gets to the second half of the movie, I am telling you, I was gripped. Loretta Young gives a great performance. She it really just, it's so much of this movie hinges on on her performance. She's in, like, every scene, so that's great. And then the ending, which I think I'm going to do in the details on this ending, because it is Ooh, such yay. a great, 
example of catharsis. Like, mm. I guess to ruin the movie, because some people might not see it, is like, ultimately at the end, like, the doctor arrives at the house. Like, she has just been going through it, trying to stop people from seeing the body upstairs. And she reveals everything to the doctor friend. And... You know, and he's like, well, you know, I, I, he saying about her husband, I mean, he's been losing, he's been going mad with the illness for a while now. I've told you that. Like, you get the sense that from his point of view, she also got a little delusional herself. Like, if she just calmed down and didn't do anything, everything would be fine. But it's because yeah. she tried to fix the situation that it all kind of fell apart. And so at the, oh, wow. and so at the end... The doorbell rings and, you know, the doctor's like, you know, you might as well answer it. Like, where are you going to go? And so she answers the door just like thinking that she's ready to meet her maker. And it's like the the mailman who's saying, you know, and they had a whole altercation before where he wouldn't return the letter to her. And he goes, oh, you know, I feel really silly about this. But like considering how we met before, but like don't know how I didn't notice this, but a letter this thick, you know, it's not enough postage. So policies i got to return to sender <sighs> and so and she kind of and she's you know kind of plays out the scene of okay oh, oh okay thank you and then he's very chatty she eventually gets rid of him and it is this amazing moment of catharsis where she just starts crying and laughing against the door and at one point she says i just i tried so hard to get it back and it's just it's the most fabulous moment and you realize like then the doctor burns the letter and she like sits on the chair and cries and he comforts her and that's it. And you realize, like, because she was innocent the whole time, all of this was just about getting a letter back. Like, yeah, it was so small and so mundane. And yet I was so wrapped up in it. And I was I feeling all the same things she was feeling and feeling such deep catharsis when she got the letter back. Um, even though I've ruined the plot of the movie, I am. it is wildly available on YouTube. It was such a great journey. And... I, like such a, I mean, quarantine content or otherwise, I just I had such a good time with this movie. Like it is one of the few movies where as soon it was, as soon as it was over, I just wanted to watch it again. Wow. What did you stumble upon it or was it recommended? I think I, to I think it was through some IMDB rabbit hole of, I was looking at one movie and it recommended other movies similar to that. And one of them was cause for alarm. And I read the description okay. and I was like, Oh, that sounds really interesting. So I put it on my watch list and then eventually mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what, what, what do I want to watch? And I was like, why don't I watch this movie? You know, I, huh. it's 77 minutes. I've never seen Loretta Young before. I, let's see what happens. And I mean, it was just such a good experience. I honestly, like if you, if you can get through kind of like the first half isn't boring, but it's less exciting. But, mm-hmm. but the first half is also, you know, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, you know. But yes. once she's just trying to get that letter back, oh my God, like, I couldn't fucking look away. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. It, and it's like, it's so like clearly low budget. It's mostly mm-hmm. either set like in her house or like, you know, there's a scene of her at the post office, but like otherwise it's all set during the day. Like there's just something small about it. It's like the quintessential example of a great little movie. Ugh. Yeah. What a treat. Okay. Uh, cause for alarm. Yeah. Cause, cause for, for alarm. celebration. Yeah. Ooh, yes. yes. And that is cause for us to be getting played off this podcast. Wrap it up. Wrap it up, uh. ladies. Um, <laughs> so before we uh, head off into the sunset, where can folks find more of you? 
Yeah, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kochanov, and they can also follow me or listen to. Um, I recorded my first episode, my All About Eve episode of season three of the No Good, Very Bad Gay. More to come. I don't know if I have a release date because I want to do a couple more just to get ahead of the game. Um, maybe for Pride Month. June is Pride Month, it right? It is. Yeah, more Seems or less. Appropriate. Yeah. yeah, that's a couple weeks away. I can bang out a couple more episodes. Uh, yeah, and if you want uh, to chime in on anything that we talked about today, talking about Tilda or maybe Amy Ryan's, you know, Oscar that she should have won for Gone Baby Gone, you can tweet us at BSA Pod or email us at the BSA Pod at gmail.com. That, How about you, Colin? Yeah, um, we can also find me on In the Details talking about nuances like Loretta Young yes. in Cause for Alarm. Um, <laughs> or you can find me on All Right Mary talking about drag queens and drag race. Season 12 is just about over, but then All Stars 5 is going to start right after that. So yeah. we're not going nowhere. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. Um, well, uh, this has been a hoot. This has been a lovely return to South Boston. Um, and I hope there's many more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, maybe we'll talk about The Town or The Departed or some other Boston set movie. Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, maybe there's one out there we don't know about, so chime in, everyone. Yeah. Let us know. What's your favorite Boston set movie? Um, yes. Till then, a big thank you, of course, to the winner, Tilda, for, for knocking it out of the park. She's a great actress. Uh Big thank you to Amy Ryan. Uh, big thank you to Jill oh. Quigg. I mean, oh my God. wherever you are. She was almost my BSA of the week, but I we celebrated her in the episode. We did. So. She got her moment. She got her moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll be back real soon. Um, you know, so I guess all I've left to say is uh, fuck B. And <laughs> fuck B. And that, as they say, is that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bye. Bye.